Hello and welcome to the Robot Podcast. I'm Fran Scott, scientist, maker and massive engineering fan. Every week, we'll be finding out how robots are pushing the boundaries and exploring the exciting future that robots can bring. From 3D printing buildings to simulated factories, from robots in education to those working in our retail warehouses, technology is completely transforming our everyday tasks and leading us towards a more innovative future. Can we please have a robot to aisle three? That's a robot to aisle three. Thank you. Now, the global e-commerce market, so that's what online shopping basically is called, in 2020, it crossed the two trillion US dollar threshold. That is an awful lot of food and a lot of presents. This retail revolution has well and truly begun. We all know that just with a click of a button, most of our much-needed shopping can be on our doorstep within 24 hours. And that is thanks to robots. So what actually happens when you click buy now? Well, I'm going to be speaking to Mark Segura, who's the Managing Director of Consumer Segments and Service Robotics at ABB, and Veronica Pasquale-Boe, CEO of Asti Mobile Robotics, about how robotics are transforming how we shop and what goes on to make sure we get what we want when we want it. But first, our producer, the wonderful Izzy Clark, spoke with technology journalist and consumer champion David McClelland, who kicked things off about how our shopping habits have changed over the last few years. Now, a lot of the technology online shopping platforms, e-commerce, call it what you will, a lot of these digital shop fronts, they existed before the pandemic. The technology in large part was there already, but it took a cultural shock to change our habits and force us all into using them. And there's lots of data around this. And one that I saw from the US online retail spend rose by a third in the first year of the pandemic and then by a third again in the following year after the pandemic. Massive shifts there in behaviour. That's just the habit change, though. Once all of those millions, billions perhaps, of people are all suddenly shopping online, making demands on retailers at scale that, you know, like these retailers have never seen before, that then demands that technology changes. Retailers need to work smarter, not necessarily harder, and to automate where they can. And there's one more point here, and that's, of course, the consumer. Because as consumers, we want convenience. We want to pick and choose the best bits of physical retail and try to apply those to online retail. You know, we want the product immediately. We want click and collect. We want same day delivery, all of those things, free returns. So as consumers, we've become more demanding. And in a competitive market, we're very likely to go with the retailer that offers those services instead of one that doesn't. So in retail, it's competition that has driven innovation. And again, to meet those demands of scale and of different services, it requires some seriously slick logistics, fulfillment operations, and automation is really at the heart of all of that. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, as consumers, we are really relying on robotics to make sure, as you say, we get those things that we want almost instantly we have the opportunity to buy something and it might even arrive on our doorstep the same day. So what or or who led the change? 
One really interesting company to look at is Acado, which is a a UK online only grocery retailer. Or is it? You see, Acado will argue that it's actually a technology company because Acado innovated early on in how it applied technology to this this fulfillment of grocery shopping, getting the items that we select on a web page or, or on an app from a warehouse into some bags, into a delivery van, and then onto our houses. There are so many moving parts there, but there are, it means there are lots of opportunities for efficiency through automation. And what Ocado did, which I think was very smart, was to spin out the technology part of its business so that not only does Ocado deliver groceries in the UK, it also sells the technology called the Ocado Smart Platform the technology that enables other retailers all over the world to sell their stuff too. And this technology is really impressive. I mean, Ocado's been spending hundreds of millions of of pounds acquiring robotics firms from all over the world to try and improve automation around things like picking and packing. So you know, picking up uneven shaped products, delicates and placing them gently into a bag. But the most impressive thing is what they call the hive. Uh, And now this is um, one of its fulfillment centres in the UK and they flung the doors open to it not that long ago. Imagine, if you will, an enormous warehouse, several football fields, sides. I'm imagining it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, Instead of shelves, there is instead this massive grid and in each square of this grid is a container, a a box that's got some products in it. Now, scurrying about on top of all of these, on on tracks on top of all of these, at about nine miles an hour are these robot pickers, square robot pickers, about 2,000 of them, all controlled by this massive artificial intelligence system, which they call the hive mind, that knows where each box is, where each product is, how many of those products are in that box, where they need to get to in the warehouse in order to be placed in a customer's delivery bag. And so it controls this swarm of thousands of robots at a blistering pace. It is incredibly impressive and a great example of using automation to fix the challenge of retail at scale. It's safe to say that Amazon have been a pioneer in how we shop and immediately you think of online shopping. But behind that is all of their warehouses. So how do they work? Because we get something to our, if you've got a Prime account or a next day delivery, it's instant or almost instant. So how do their warehouses work for that to be possible? People think of Amazon as a retail company. But for me, the key here is its software. Its cloud computing capability is huge. And, you know, like Ocado does, it also sells its cloud computing to other organizations, but it uses it itself. And it's this this Amazon brain that drives a lot of the automation and drives a lot of the efficiency. So these warehouses, these fulfillment centers, again, lots of automation, lots of humans working uh, alongside machines to, you know, load inventory as it comes in, to to, to, to pack into boxes too. And what, what's interesting here is that Essentially, it's entire shelves that move to the humans rather than humans walking around a warehouse. Humans are slow. Humans can trip over. Humans can have accidents. No, no, no. That's not what humans are good at. Let's have humans standing still at a workstation. Why don't we move the shelves to the humans instead so that they can unload 
incoming goods from boxes and put them onto the shelves. Okay, so not only do you have this incredibly interactive shelving system, but how they organise their warehouses is really interesting. Another thing here is how products are grouped as well, because it's all artificial intelligence driven again, predicting what stock will be needed when based on historical data, for example, how people have traditionally bought at that time of year, um, and also other variables as well, like the weather, for example. And so the order in which these products are then grouped is also quite interesting. So again, you go into a traditional bricks and mortar high street store, you will see all of the orange juice on one shelf, all of the dairy products over there and the bakery items. That's not what you see in in a fulfillment centre with one of these large online uh, operations because they will try to make the placement of those products as efficient as possible based upon how quickly it will be to pack similar things into the same box. It might well be you get your suntan lotion on the same shelf as the orange juice or as, I don't know, um, Harry Potter books because the big brain has decided somewhere that people who buy orange juice are more likely to buy Harry Potter books. Who knows? But it's that kind of seemingly random storage and packaging that makes no sense in physical retail but when you're analyzing huge swathes of historical data makes perfect sense in a fulfillment center thank you to david mcclelland and it's become so clear that none of this would be possible without automation we all take this for granted that we can just buy things online. At least I know I do. You know, imagine the scenario you're in a rush because let's say you've left all your seasonal shopping to the last minute. You see that ideal gift online, you click buy now, and more often than not, that gift will be on your doorstep 24 to 48 hours later. But how do robotics make all of that possible? And where are they actually used in this process? Well, I caught up with Mark Segura, the Managing Director of Consumer Segments and Service Robotics at ABB, who explained where all this began. Now today we're all used to Amazon and most of the brands have an online offering. Uh, but, but actually, if you look back in the 90s, there were companies like eBay. Uh, at the time, we didn't have uh, smartphones. It was everything on your desktop. But basically, when internet started to become available and web pages started to, to, to appear, there were the first companies who thought about a different business model, which was basically to create a marketplace, a web place where they would offer a, a big assortment of products where you could start to buy online. It was a very simple model. These companies were building up an interface to manage all the inventories and then in the back end they would have physical warehouses. They would procure these different products, store them in the right way and start to improve their delivery process once you buy and click online. So let's lift the bonnet a little bit on the processes that happen. So in terms of when I click buy now, what chain reaction does that lead to? Yeah. So first, uh, and everyone understands, there's a very great uh, IT infrastructure. These companies have, of course, the web pages. These web pages are connected to their internal IT systems, which basically is a big warehouse IT system where they are looking for the product that you have requested to buy and they're looking into their different warehouses. Where can I find it better? Where can I find it fast? And they start to match the, 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 the request with the demand, matching your order with the inventory. So they're starting to send orders to the fulfillment centers, but basically it's these 
warehouses where the, this magic of e-commerce happens. And there inside the fulfillment centers, the products that are stored are retrieved and uh, consolidated in an order, which is the order list that you place in internet. Once after you have retrieved the order, you have picked the order, you need to send it to, to the right uh, neighborhood, to the right street, to the right city. And that's the process called sorting. In the past, the postal companies were the ones, only ones doing sorting when they would send you your mail. But now the e-commerce companies are also doing sortation when they send you the parcels. Of course they've got to. I hadn't even thought of that. So with this being the robot podcast, I have got to ask, where do the robots come in in this process? Wow. I mean, nowadays, mostly all over the process, all across. Uh, if you figure out again the process end to end, things start by receiving the goods in the warehouses. You can imagine these large warehouses where you got uh, one truck from one brand, the toys brand. Then you have another truck coming in. It's the food brand. Then you have the, the electronics brand. And the first thing you need to do is to take all those products and, and put them away in the storage. And here is where robots start to really automate a lot of the tasks. They can be automated. Uh, mobile robots, AMRs, can be unloading the trucks uh, with forklift and putting them in shelves. And then once the things are stored and you want to retrieve them, again, you can have uh, mobile robots picking the things from the shelves and bringing them to order picking stations where you can have robots picking objects and putting them in a shopping bag. And then for sorting the things to the right destinations, nowadays we also use robots. The robots are finding the right destination, which is the address, and they just tilt the parcel, they put them in a chute, and down in the, in the basement floor, there is another robot picking up and putting it into a trolley that will go into the van that will go to the neighborhood. So basically, when I ask where are they used along the process, they are the process. They are becoming the process, but this is really a very labor intense uh, process with many, many jobs that are really, really tough tedious, repetitive. I mean, many people having problems in their arms, in their back. Retail still has a lot of demand fluctuation. So there are seasons like Christmas or, or other dates where really the companies cannot find enough people. So automation is, is leveling the demand, but at the same time, it's, it's making the workplace a, a safer place. So that's some of the benefits of using robots in this process. Are there other benefits as well? Yes, you also have the quality of the order fulfillment. You don't want to make mistakes. You don't want to ship at uh, the wrong house, the wrong order. Uh, and these, of course, uh, humans are more prone to, especially after eight hours or 10 hours of doing the same thing or putting the wrong label or reading the wrong label or putting in the wrong place. Robots are basically not doing that mistakes. At the moment, there does seem to be a huge use of robots and robotics in the warehouses and fulfillment centers and the sorting but in a way, they're behind the scenes, I suppose. We don't necessarily see them. Are we going to see robots in our stores when we pop down to, I don't know, pick up some broccoli or a pair of trousers? Yes. It is clear that the physical shops, we still like them. But we like them to be better. We like them to be a, an experience somewhere where we can experience the product, where we can learn about the product. And one of the things that they're doing is uh, to turn them into omni-channel centers, meaning that you can be in a shop, but you can be at the same time in the web page of that retailer. So you can buy online and click back on the store. You can uh, ask to be given some products to test. We have robots now in shops where they are preparing little orders in the corner. In Korea, we have robots that are doing personalized makeup. You go into the shop, you have a small machine with a robot inside and a screen. They read your face, they check your face against Instagram, and they will propose a turn of makeup. You choose it and the robot would prepare it live for you, your personalized makeup. 
So from order fulfillment to customized uh, product preparation, robots will be in the shops to make the shop a better experience. And that's what retailers are looking for to become still and stay relevant against e-commerce and the direct to consumer that the brands are trying to sell from internet directly to the customers. And it sounds a bit like an oxymoron, um, mass customization, mass flexibility, because you think, oh, it's for the masses. It is, but it's personalizing it for everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. It sounds like an oxymoron. It, it, it probably was. And there is no way back on this trend. There is no way back. Consumers are getting used to, to get what they want, when they want, the way they want. You could look at that from a negative perspective, but if we, we turn it, the whole thing into a positive thing for, for employment, for companies, for sustainability, it doesn't have to be bad necessarily. But at the same time, I mean, consumers will not back down on that. They will ask for it and someone will provide it. So it's better that we support this trend and to make it really viable. And I totally agree there, and quite selfishly, especially if it can mean that I don't have to actually go into a physical shop. Let's just have a bit of a recap there at the main stages behind all of our orders, because it is a lot to take in, right? So we've got step one, our order is received by the fulfillment centre. So basically a giant warehouse with all of the items in it. Step two, the ordered item is picked by robots. Then it's sent on to step three, which is packing, and step four is shipping. And the very important robots that carry out these tasks are called autonomous mobile robots, known as AMRs. And these robots can navigate in an uncontrolled environment and they have a sort of higher level of understanding thanks to them having inbuilt sensors, artificial intelligence, 3D and 2D vision, and even more. I spoke with Veronica Pascual-Boe, the CEO of Asti Mobile Robotics, and that's a company that designed these AMRs. And I spoke with her about how they can physically carry out all of these different tasks. But we started with the question that we're all thinking, what do they actually look like? You can imagine many different shapes, but overall it's a system that is pretty compact, that is of course based on wheels, that has antennas for connectivity, that has different sensors because it's navigating, and that has a different equipment to handle the load, whether it's forks, lifting devices, automatic hooking system, or many others. Right. So these these robots are in the warehouses and I don't know, you need item A from stack B. So one robot will go along to that stack B, lift its table up, get the item from it, move it down. And so they work together in that way. And uh, is that about right? That's very good. Exactly. So <laughs> the core is what we do not see, which is the software. Yeah. The AMR systems do what they have to do because they communicate with the software stacks of the customer uh, in order to know what they have to do when. And this means that because of this communication with the software layers of the customer, we know constantly what is the list of tasks that are to be executed. And these lists are constantly being updated, while the fleet management system, which is the software that manages the fleet of AMRs, is allocating the correct task 
to the best AMR possible. And this is based on different criteria, as you, as for sure you imagine. No, it could be what is the AMR that is the shortest distance to the destination, maybe to a maximum waiting time, maybe the AMR battery level. So all these variables are taken into account uh, in order to allocate these tasks to the different AMR. So let's say, for example, I am ordering online and I order, I don't know, a pen. Okay, then that goes through the systems and it ends up in the warehouse. My, my message that I want to buy a pen. What would be the process of getting that pen to the packer and how would these AMRs sort of help with that? There is so many AMRs and so many software layers that are interacting. No, this simple click, I want, I know I choose the pen, which sometimes is already complex enough, which is the good pen to buy. <laughs> then I, I do the click and then I receive the pen 24 hours or 48 hours later. And so many things are happening in between. First, the pen needs to arrive to the warehouse. There is an autonomous mobile robot that is picking those pallets from the floor um, putting them in some warehouse uh, where they are stored until the consumer says, I want this pen. Then we are moving the pallet to some places where the boxes of pens are being put automatically into a sorting system, which is some kind of conveyor. And then the different boxes are being moved by AMRs, again, autonomous mobile robots, to the picking area. And then the picking goes on. These pens, for example, are being located in small racks that are being lifted by AMRs that move very fast speed to the person that is doing the picking. And then the person takes the pen and puts the pen for the correct order. So the question is that then, again, an AMR is taking this box with the pen and maybe other products, and we take this to the packing areas because, of course, and then this is being taken again to a sorting area where you sort per postal code. And then this is loaded in a van that is taking the pen to the either an intermediate hub or directly into the city. So you see how many software layers and AMR systems can be combined together, working in a very collaborative manner with human beings, operators that are preparing this pen for this person to be on time. Oh, that is so fascinating. So there's so many different parts to it. And I'm really intrigued because these are these are autonomous robots. They're not necessarily like going along a track, going along a predetermined route, doing a certain job exactly in that way. These are doing different things depending on what's happening in their environment. Yeah, exactly. So you have different type of navigation systems and this allows or enables different kind of layouts. You know, we have AMR systems that, for example, while you're doing picking or to automate these picking areas, you want the vehicles to go very fast. And we call it tunneling, which is driving under the racks full speed in the search of what is the correct rack to pick up and move to the picker. In those cases, we use predefined path based on a navigation system that is following QR codes 
placed in the floor because this allows very fast speed, always remain, remaining safe, and, then, and that's the most efficient manner. In other applications or flows, we might be, for example, locating the goods in the racks in height. And when this happens, uh, we need a very high accuracy navigation system, uh, for example, triangulation with laser scanners. And those demand artificial landmarks, which are reflectors in the field, and you're able to navigate with high accuracy. Every time you order something, you cannot imagine how many robots are interacting together with different navigation systems, different software, different communication, different payloads, and all this to take this pen from the manufacturer to the to the person or to the shop, dependent in this omnichannel world. And it's so different to how oh, how I imagined it a few years back. I've been learning more and more about the involvement of robots in these processes over the years. And sort of how important are these autonomous robots in retail now? Well, they are more and more important. The beauty of AMRs is the flexibility it facilitates. First is because... There are many things we do not know. So there are changes in the products and there are also changes in the layout of the facilities because logistics and fulfillment centers need to adapt to these changing demands. All this is affecting how flexible we need to be and how flexible technology needs to be to enable this extremely flexible process. AMRs are taking more and more a major role, I would say, within all this, also in the manufacturing field, but then in the warehouse and in the fulfillment areas. It does seem that robotics, they, they do so much already. But I wanted to know about the future. So I asked Mark and Veronica what the challenges are that we may need to overcome. From a technology perspective, robots need to become better at manipulating objects that they have never seen before. But uh, again, with advances on machine vision and artificial intelligence, the robots are improving their really their skills to, to grab things like a human hand would do. But the challenges rely more on, on to really connect all these steps, receiving the goods in the warehouse, storing, retrieving them, doing the order picking and the sortation and the last mile delivery, all really, really efficient. Meaning there is no waste in between, there is no too much inventory, wasted inventory, that the sequences of the delivery vans are, are optimal so we don't pollute necessary to turn those vans into electrical vans. Think about the packaging, for example, how we make packaging compostable and sustainable? How do we make things circular? So I would say from the e-commerce order fulfillment perspective, technology is very much there to make things happen, but the whole business model has to really still perfection and evolve to really make be sustainable from all different angles. So what will a shopping experience be like in the future? It will be all kind of digital interfaces, but still you will have the physical shop. But the physical shop, as it's happening right now, will also be omni-experience. So while you will be in the shop, you will have augmented reality to help you, I mean, understand the experience of different products. You will have the, the possibility to customize further online and the delivery methods will be really at convenience. Sometimes you will like just to pick your things and, and grab them home because you want. Most of the times you will have it delivered at home or in a, or in a pickup line locker and things will become much more uh, flexible for everyone. But shopping will be really an experience much more enhanced around the product and the thing you want to buy. Ultimately, will help us do better choices, I guess. Veronica, what do you think? Oof, there is um, so much to be said here. On one hand, I 
obviously see that there will be more and more robots and mobile robots everywhere, not only in all the places, manufacturing, warehousing, logistics, fulfillment centers, last mile delivery. But I also see that um, the level of e-commerce will still increase a lot. And also these uh, commercial centers or shops or retailers will become more and more experiential. And this is going to change a lot. Last but not, not least is uh, all this virtual shopping. There's going to be huge changes there because we will use more and more digital tools in um, order to experience the usage of goods so that we can see how the trousers are fitting us or uh, how we can combine different brands within our prototype of ourselves so that we see how all this is looking on ourselves without even needing to to go to a shop and put all these clothes on us or even go through different shops because you want to combine different brands. So there are so many things, you know, that are changing in all this experience of shopping that I think I'm enthusiastic about uh, how technology is enabling all this new world. I hear you, Veronica. This does sound like a future of shopping that I could almost get on board with. And I love the use of robotics, but I even more love that it will make my life easier. And I suppose that is what it's all about. But a massive thank you to David McClelland, Mark Segura and Veronica Pasquale-Boe. That is it for this week. Next time, we're diving behind the scenes to bring you some extra robot content from the series that has never been heard before. I'm Fran Scott, and the Robot Podcast is a fresh air production for ABB. Follow or subscribe now for free wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the ABB Decoded series. 